Okay, so we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. This whole week I've been using ExpressVPN to binge The Office on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do, I just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change my location to UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from over 100 countries, so just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com lorehammer, and you can get an extra three months off ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com lorehammer, expressvpn.com lorehammer to learn more. Welcome to Lorehammer, bonus episode. Hello and welcome back to Lorehammer. My name is Eric. <laughs> you already all know who that is. <laughs> uh, this is Jordan coming back at you. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mark. Someone calm him down. Get the spray. Mark, off, off, back. <laughs> I'm just so excited. Today we're going to be talking about Imperial Knights and not just Imperial Knights. My yes. Imperial Knight household that I've Your created. Your specific Knights, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, but it's been a while since all of us were back together, um, Jordan, you missed the last episode, mm-hmm. which is uh, too bad because I was stressing out over the, all the technical <laughs> crap that I know zero about. Mm-hmm. But Jordan's a miracle worker. Yeah. Pressing two buttons. It's <laughs> tough, okay? There's like four to choose from, okay? so uh, And then I was away um, before that. I was in Portland enjoying some vacation time. Uh, with a friend it was cool that uh, you guys had colin and james on yeah i listened to that episode that was pretty cool they're pretty enjoyable people i like both of them personally so well (laughs) well you one of them much more than the other one you know who you are (laughs) yeah and what you did (laughs) and how you did it (laughs) and And why why. oh oh my (laughs) and why you know you know anyways uh and jordan (laughs) why why where were you um, I was in uh, beautiful British Columbia. Ah, uh, yeah. the jewel of Canada. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Is that, that's what they call it, right? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm aware of. It's the westernmost province in Canada for anyone who's not familiar with their Full Canadian of ge- mountains geography. and lakes. And bears. Yeah. And forests and, and whatnot. <clears throat> yes. Women? And uh, um, pot-smoking hippies. Ah. Yes. <laughs> Those are the best kind of hippies. Yes, yeah. yes. Easy to sweep away. <laughs> The kind of just there's a butterfly. That. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was just uh, vacationing with my wife and uh, yes. her family and seeing my grandma. She lives in Kelowna. Oh, I yeah. I have family in Kelowna. Oh, do you? Yeah, great uncle. He lives like right on the like the highest you can go. Okay, in like the city on the northern end of it. Okay, like it's, uh, in east or west Kelowna. Fuck if I know. Okay, no. Okay, <laughs> it pro- it's probably considered east. Okay, like when you, you first come in off the number yes, one. Yes, it's not past the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's on there. It's like, honestly, the 
it's it's a ridiculous house. Is it overlooking like the Okanagan? Uh oh, it's overlooking the lake. Like it which looks one? There's a few south. lakes though. Okay. Yeah, you can see. South. Like uh, my grandma kind of lives up in the like. Uh, um, Apple Farms. Mm. So by the by the airport. If if you don't know what Kelowna is, and you won't because <laughs> nobody knows what Kelowna is, that is where you go for wine. Yeah, that it's is wine like country. wine country. Wait, yeah. no, no, that's not no, that's not why people go there. People go there to see the Okapoka monster. <laughs> that is <laughs> the Okapoka. Yeah, that's Absolute, why people okay. go there. You know what? <laughs> you might you might be right. Totally false. Uh, Jordan. Well, that's exactly what the government wants you to <laughs> yeah. think, Jordan. <laughs> The, the Ogopogo Dude. is like a, it's basically like Canada's Loch Ness. Um, I don't, I don't know. They're completely they're signi- separate creatures. They're significantly yeah, they have very real lore. Okay, <laughs> there's significantly less evidence for the Ogopogo than there is for the Loch Ness. No, no, no. I saw this picture one time. <laughs> Others said it was just garbage in the water, mm-hmm. but I know what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. and it was not garbage. <laughs> okay, whatever you say, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. You know, it's summer. It's vacation. You get to enjoy it. I hope you guys are taking some breaks. I hope somebody is listening on a beach right now. Oh, yes. That would be real good. fucking drunk. Oh, my gosh. If you are on a beach. No, there was that one guy. He sent us a picture. He did, yes. yes. He was on a beach. And he said he was. So Mark posted this thing on on the Lorehammer Facebook page. And he's like, hey, send me some inspiration. Send me a photo of what you're working on. And this one guy sends a photo of a beach with a cup. And Mark's like. I don't get it. And he's like, there was heresy at the bottom of the cup. I had to find it. And I thought that was <laughs> I didn't awesome. read that part. <laughs> what? That was the whole oh, point. Oh, yeah. No, there's so many messages that like, there I were. might, I, like, wow, I might have lost track of one or two of them. Gotcha. But, uh, no, but yeah, I loved that comment so much. I was like, that's how you <laughs> do it. Trying to find right the there. heresy. Yeah, no, he was on the beach and he sent us a picture of it. And that <laughs> was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mark's right. Today, we are going to um, talk about his house yes so your your knights that you have created your imperial knights yeah um on your own planet of your own device your own making now we haven't done an imperial knight or uh, like a knight episode yet no but that's okay because this isn't going to really deal with the specifics of how actual night houses work yeah because this is it's yours yeah uh and mine does function differently in a number of ways after we're done reading the lore i'll talk about like Uh, some of the reasons why they're functioning different and why I chose to go that route. And uh, yeah, but uh, for those of you who who don't know what Imperial Knights are, they're basically 50 foot tall uh, bipedal robots that are piloted by like a noble lineage. And uh, they usually will run like a feudal society. So they're like have serfs under them. Yes. And and, like you get it by right of birth for the most part. Yeah, exactly. It follows a blood. It's a very archaic system. like, Like, Really, just think of medieval knights, but put them in fifty foot tall robots, yeah, exactly. and you got imperial knights. Yeah. And like, that's why I love them. That's why a lot of people love them. Like, lots of people love knights. And then you put forty k, you toss a chainsword on a guy who's a knight. Yeah, you give him a awesome. spear, like a massive spear, and a shield the size of a house. Right? Like, yeah, and it just. And then he's actually fighting like a dragon. Like, right, yes. Yeah. Like it just makes uh, it's, it's just really cool. cool. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to do today is we're not going to talk about knights specifically. What we no. are going to talk about is the story of uh, your planet and the people that are on it and how. It's a story of love, it, friendship, this is and destruction. This is a family movie. <laughs> you guys see Deadpool 2? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, yeah. did you like it? 
I quite enjoyed it. Okay, yeah. baby legs. <laughs> How awesome was that? Yeah, I'm baby legs. <laughs> yeah. That's what it should have been. But no, it's good. It I enjoyed so it. Oh, good. I love that when... scene. Was pretty good. It was yeah, so it was good. good. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, um, <clears throat> all right. Let's uh, let's dive right in. Oh, so if if you don't know uh, about nights, we are going to do an episode in yeah. the pretty near future yeah it's just i've been painting up night i don't know if near future like we're pretty far away in my in my head timeline but i'll fight with you on that one don't worry okay sure uh, but like i've been posting and painting some of my nights and people ask me like oh yeah what house is that so people have been asking for it so here you go yeah this is this episode is for you mostly the though people. mostly though it's for me <laughs> right yeah you've been, like i think ever since day one you've been wanting to do this like yeah ever since we made this like a year ago You've been like, oh, we're doing my night episode. One so day. here it is. Yeah. So, so uh, I am going to read you guys something uh, off of One D Four Chan. So this is really just taken right from their page uh, on the website on Imperial Knights. And here we go. Uh, night Titan lore is some of the coolest stuff in 40k. True to both the medieval tradition and epic feel that 40k thrives on, Night Titans protect the agri worlds that the Mechanicus used to supply and predominantly feed their incredibly ravenous forge worlds. These titans are easier to produce by far than even the humble Warhound Scout Titan, and so can be made reliably, produced almost as an afterthought. So knights aren't the biggest, baddest, most overblown thing in 40k, but they are to the night worlders. The people who live and die on those agri worlds, delineated from other agri worlds by their designation as night worlds, are all on the technological and societal footing of medieval Europe. A lot of these worlds look like Bretonnia from Warhammer Fantasy. Kings and queens, Arthurian legend, stone brick castles, and skull-capped peasantries abound. Fields and forests extend to every horizon without end. Remember, it's much, much more important to obey societal doctrine than to optimize food output. I mean, that makes <laughs> yeah. complete sense. Yeah. You got to have a peasantry, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> imagine what someone from that world would think when they see a night titan. The most agile giant robot that the Imperium makes, capable of shrugging off lasers and plasma bombs, towers silently over a field on a world that probably doesn't even have gunpowder weaponry or a Copernican idea of the night sky. The kingdoms of the planet may have their petty wars, but life is dominated by meeting the food and resource quotas of machine men from the sky, who build and fix the nights that children and adults view with awe and reverence, like some amalgam of god and monster. These machine men could destroy entire kingdoms on a whim by dropping stars from the sky. Kingdoms train their nobles and knightly warriors to fight with swords, horses, and hammers. They conscript armies from farming peasants, and use squads of bowmen to kill men at range, except for the Night Titan pilots. Those who are honorable enough or skilled enough may graduate beyond knighthood to knighthood. Ca- capital. Capital knight. Yes. I hope you guys got that in the, <laughs> what I was saying. Someone who takes a bath maybe twice a month and lives by torchlight has the duty to step inside a machine of such power and complexity that the science of the 41st millennium proves incapable of comprehending it. Those men are revered beyond their kings, for they are the wielders of magic and death, and are entrusted with more true power than any other man on the planet. These men fight monsters, murderous warriors from the sky, and even other knights from enemy kingdoms. Sometimes, when the machine men come down when they aren't expected, 
The men who pilot the god monsters must go far away to battle alongside the machine men in their wars. Not a war on the other side of the world, but a war on a distant star, surrounded by machines and giants even larger than they. Imagine the man who has the lifelong job of knowing how to run the knights, whose sacred duty is to recruit and train pilots. Imagine, a lord or general may give the order to bring cavalry around the left flank and fire the laser cannon onto the walls of his enemy's castle. Despite his most valorous deeds, his children grow up playing with a giant metal god standing over them, silent and omnipotent, resplendent in livery and gold leaf. These children one day grow old, and tell stories not of lords and generals, but of the time when their kingdom's metal giant slew a great beast, or raised an entire castle single-handedly, or ran across the entire world to deliver medicine to a dying king. Imagine what a pilot is to his subjects or his lords. What legends would be told of them, the men who step inside the kingdom's giant? Their legends are not sagas of inscrutable gods or immortal emperors or statistical, well, statistic scale tragedies, but of simple, honorable soldiers told by humble, hardworking people centuries after those soldiers are but dust and memory. If you are not crying tears of pure awesome right now, then you either have no soul or are Sly Marbro. Yeah. So that's that's what I picture every time I think of knights. Just like it's so it's so awesome. It's such an incomprehensible yeah. item to everyone who lives around. Yeah, I love the one line where it's like a guy who bathes twice a week, or you know, bathes by torchlight, he lives like, by torchlight. Yeah. All of a sudden, can pilot this thing that can reduce mountains to rubble. Yeah, like it just—it's such a crazy like mind fuck. Yeah, it really is like so, a god level power. Yeah. in the hands of these people who have absolutely zero comprehension of what that means. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So that that is a taste of how the night worlds view the knights yeah and trying to step into their shoes and in, in seeing this because for us it's just another uh imperium war machine yeah but to them it's the craziest thing it's imaginable. a god yeah, right exactly so, uh so here's what we're gonna do now we are jordan and i mark has prepared his house lore yes uh, you've written it all out yes and you've broken it down by time frame kind of like how we broke down our episodes of like here's what the timeline of what happened yeah and then uh, Jordan is going to read a section. Mark's going to comment on it. We'll have a little discourse. And then I'll read the next one. And then we'll do a little more discourse. Yeah, we'll just work our way through uh, the history of my household. I also got the heraldry of my household, the training and recruitment of the household, and the organization of the household, and also the ideology of the household. Excellent. So, yeah, we'll work our, th- our way through the lore. Hope you guys enjoy. Also, I apologize if some sentences don't go quite right. <laughs> like, <laughs> he can't read, guys. Exactly. Give him some slack. So, like, he actually spoke all of this into the phone. Yeah. And it transcripted it into the, the, mm. the type. I, I essentially function like one of those peasants with technology or even just basic He only showers twice a month. <laughs> <laughs> and he lives by torchlight. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, but, uh, uh, one more thing, uh, just a couple shout-outs to a couple people. Uh, Christian and Eric were really big help when writing the lore. They tolerated me for many months. Uh, like, I've had my night household for now. A while. Like, since before I was married. So, like, over three-plus years. Like, as soon as nights came out, I started working on it. Like, I love them. Um, so those two really, they just listened to me ramble mostly. You got it, dog. And then today, the other guy who really motivated me was Matt. 
So thanks, Matt, for motivating me to write some more because I had UK to- Matt. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. The mosquito M- yeah. Matt. Yeah, he was just sending me pictures of his animals, and then you know it was a good time. It inspired me to write. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll get into my house's lore. Cool. Something else I want to mention. Oh. Someone did send you. Um, is it your house like your litanies, like your your like ideals on like the burned paper? Oh yeah, Woody Woody sent that. Yeah. So um, we've mentioned that before. Yeah. So like Woody like printed out like all this that I wrote on like these like crusty papers yeah so, so someone that we met through Lorehammer, uh when mark was sharing your your story with him he printed it out made it look super old like a yeah. manuscript yeah. that someone would actually hold in their hand yeah and send it to us yeah so that is completely awesome woody and it's yeah. like one of the coolest things i've seen yeah. i'm tempted to like pin it to the wall just behind the knights you should frame it how, frame how them frame- all individually yeah, maybe you can get like a really. That, I want to. I want to do something with it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I just don't know what yet, but there will be something done with it. Yeah. So like this, it's it's not just a passing fancy. <laughs> no, no, this is that's what we're trying to get at. I think. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. All right, Jordan. Let's go. Okay, so uh, the Great Crusade M thirty to M thirty one, when the Emperor and his Astartes ventured from Terra, many new planets were discovered rediscovered, conquered, and some even outright destroyed. The Imperium was at the height of its power. Over the next 200 years, the Imperium grew exponentially, claiming its birthright, the stars. With the Mechanicum at the Emperor's side, none could stand against their aggressive expansion. Each newly discovered planet was brought into the fold quickly, found its place in the Imperium, and was put to use. The Earth-like planet of Epsilon Beta 5 was one such world, valued greatly for its vast deposits of animantium under the crust of the planet. The Mechanicum quickly set up mines, and before long it was classified as a forge world. Since the adamantium was so deep underground, the Mechanicum set up its forges below ground as to easier reach the adamantium. Across Epsilon Beta 5, Uh, Great rifts were dug into the planet to bring raw material to the surface from the forges. Huge tunnels were dug between the different forges, creating a vast labyrinth beneath the ground. While underground was a maze of tunnels, above ground, vast areas of lands were cleared and created uh, for open areas of farmland. Citizens of the Imperium arrived from across the galaxy to toil in the fields, knowing little of the world below, great uh, lifts 100 across uh, were built under around the planet in order to transport material from the forge to the surface and vice versa. And so the population above fed the population below, while below provided raw materials, tools, and machines to those above and the greater Imperium. Yeah, so this I was really just setting like the foundation of the planet, kind of, uh, you know, lay- laying the groundwork. Um, the main things that I wanted to really get across is uh, that this is actually like a Mechanicum Forge world. And like a lot of times I say like, oh, yeah, I love Imperial Knights, but my knight household is actually a Mechanicum. Uh, it's actually Mechanicum Knights. And personally, yeah. like, I didn't even know there was a distinction between the two of them yeah. until, you know, you educated me on that yeah. fact. 
Um, but yeah, so another cool thing is just like the Mechanicum, it's completely underground. Like all their for- forges are underground and they have these huge lifts dug across the surface that just transport material. And uh, it's kind of cool to think that there's just like these circular like plates that are like yeah. 70 feet across or whatever yeah and they can just slowly just like crack open and then this lift would rise exactly and, but it's these people who are who again live as peasants well at this point in the history sure. this is true imperial citizens oh okay so yes. they have an understanding yes. of it yeah okay so yeah so the big thing to take away is that yeah like it's a mechanical planet and they're underground and uh, above ground is just farmers basically. yes and it's a mutual relationship yeah the Mechanicum provides implementations and tools or whatever for farming, and then yeah. they provide it, food for the Fortress. Yeah, it's a very typical arrangement. Just yeah. normally, those two things are on different planets, but I gotcha. put mine. Yeah. Anywho. All right. Next, the Horus Heresy, M31. When Horus, one of the Emperor's sons, turned against him, he took half the galaxy with him. Few planets were safe from the destruction he set in motion. Epsilon Beta 5 was not one of the lucky ones. The Mechanicum split in two and waged war across the planet, both on the surface and below. The surface was ravaged, but neither side could fully claim the network of forges and mines underneath. The tunnels underground were too rough of terrain to allow standard tanks access, and most too small to allow for titans to walk. But the 40-foot-tall bipedal Imperial Night Walker was the perfect fit, and so House Epsilon was founded. Recruiting volunteers from the surface to pilot the machines, the house grew in size as night after night was forged. The Knights of Epsilon marched through the, marched through the tunnels, sweeping them of all dark Mechanicum resistance. None could stand against them in battle, but every forge captured, another one fell, but oh, but with every forge captured, another one fell due to the complexity of the tunnels and the time it took to send reinforcements through the underground labyrinth. When Horus was finally defeated on Terra, news spread across the galaxy, and many traitors either fled or went into hiding. The Dark Mechanicus on Epsilon Beta 5 fled into the darkness of the tunnels or to the planet's surface, and the Mechanicus, uh, the Mechanicus claimed the planet as theirs again, although the cost was high. Most of the plant forges in the planet were destroyed, while on the surface the cities were raised and loyal citizens slaughtered. Epsilon Beta 5 would never fully recover, even thousands of years later. Yeah, so as with everything with the Horus Heresy, it just fucks up the planet. Like, yeah, the entire, half and half. Yeah. Um, and so underground, it like, the big thing is, like, in later story arcs, I wanted the Dark Mechanicum to be here, so now they are on the planet. And like I said, they, like, flooded and, like, snuck away into, like, these tunnels that are, like, you can't even... It's so extensive, there's probably not even maps ex- of it all. Exactly. And, yeah. Like, um, yeah, so the other thing, obviously, was this is when my knight household was actually founded. and uh, During these wars. Yeah, the one thing to note is, I'll talk a little more about it at the very end, but most knight households are, households are actually founded like ter- during the dark age of technology, during like humanity's first like venture into the stars. Uh, back when we yeah, when we were very technologically advanced. Exactly. Okay. So um this is one way that my knight household is different. Um I don't know if it's acceptable. Everything's acceptable. Like who knows? I don't see it a big deal yeah, that th- they have an this, FTC. Yeah, this thing in of itself like it's 
it's one of those things when the Mechanicum was working in Unity, right? They were providing what the uh, off world needed. Yeah. Right? So they're providing Lehman Russes and they're making land raiders and they're making yeah. like art, like a serum, like the fuck, space marine armor. <laughs> Having a brain fart. Power armor. Yeah. So they're creating these things because that's what's required. Yeah. But all of a sudden, necessity changes and yeah. they're like, we can't do tanks, we can't do titans. Break out the night STC. Yeah. Let's start building those. Exactly. Yeah. No, so that to me, it's fine. Completely acceptable. Yeah, exactly. There's other things that you I have issues with, Mark, but like my writing style. <laughs> but this is not one of them. But yeah, so basically yeah, it's just the 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 split between the Mechanicum and the other big thing is this is when like the planet like gets destroyed essentially. So we'll see in like the next little bit. Um this is this helps. Keep that in mind. Yeah, the planet, this is, the planet has been ravaged. Yeah, it was prosperous and everything was fine. Apocalypse. Yeah. Okay. So next one. Age of Rebirth, M31 to M32. With the Imperial records of Epsilon Beta 5 either lost, destroyed, or forgotten due to the Horus Heresy, the Mechanicum in shambles focused inwards on rebuilding. House Epsilon took the great lifts to the surface to protect the rest of the citizens from the forces of chaos. Hundreds of knights arrived on the surface to hunt down any traitors of the Dark Mechanicum. Soon the knights were hailed as heroes to the common citizen, who up until then had no defense against chaos. After months of constant fighting, the Dark Mechanicum was driven off the planet, so House Epsilon returned to the Great Lifts, only to find them sealed and locked from the inside. The Mechanicum had shut them out. Although on one of the Great Lifts, huge stores of ammunition and parts of the knights were left, but no one inside could be reached. It is on top of the Great Lift that they decided to uh, set up a Bastion Primus, their base of operations. As giant, as giant mutated beasts still roam the forests and feral orcs still rampaged across the planet and the common folk needed the protection of the knights. It was at this time that House Epsilon changed its name and color scheme after being abandoned by the, by the Mechanicum. Seeking their own path, they rena- renamed themselves House Arrakis. After the robust purple flowered trees that were able to survive the radiation left on the planet by the Dark Mechanicum. As century after century passed, technology on the surface broke down and decreased. And nearly, and after nearly 2,000 years, of most of the planet was restored back to medieval level technology and a feudal state with the knights in charge. House Arrakis started using the knights in only the most dire of circumstances. Otherwise, they rode out with horse, plate, ar- plate armor, sword, and bow. Anyone could join House Arrakis after passing the trials. Um, trials, right? Not trails? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but only... <laughs> after passing the trails, you can <laughs> <Yeah>. join. <laughs> <laughs> Got a typo there. Uh, after passing the trials, but only the most intelligent, strongest, skilled warriors... skilled and loyal would ever pilot a knight it was a great honor to join the house and even though year after year knights were seen less and less their fame spread across epsilon beta 5 as they defended their citizens so the big thing i wanted to get across in this time frame was um it's a mechanicum planet but i didn't want any levels of technology on the planet so i i devised a way to get the mechanicum essentially off planet where they shut off the doors and basically just left everyone to fend for themselves 
Um, they, they leave some stuff. They did leave some stuff, but it was mostly just stuff for knights. And as we know about the Imperium, like the common citizen wouldn't know how to fix a, a tractor. Oh, right? no. So over no, a no. thousand years, that tractor just disappears. And now they're back to like the medieval level of technology. Yeah, you got your plow and horse, right? Yeah. So, so are these people like, do they believe that like the knights are some kind of gods then? Do they have like a at, mythology around that? Uh, maybe at this point they wouldn't quite, depending on how far into that 2,000 yeah, year because period. Because this is a 2,000 year period. So how many generations yeah. of humans is that? So like definitely near like, that's like 18 solid generations, but also no healthcare on this planet, yeah. right? No doctors. It's probably closer to like 25 generations. Yeah. yeah so and it would definitely like, start to like fade yes. into that legend. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing um is if anyone picked it up i said two things there that i'm not sure about i said hundreds of knights went up to the planet i don't think they ever really say like how many knights are in a household so no it varies greatly yeah so we, I'll, there's I'll get very into, conflicting accounts yeah i'll get that. into that a little bit later and then the other thing was um as you could tell i said anyone can join the household which is which is very different it's yeah. not a noble bloodline it's not an actual like uh you're no, there's no king that then his son's pilot knight. Right. Um, but and, I think there's a very good way around this one. It shows the desperation of the planet. Yeah, and like over the thousands of years, like uh, the knights are going less and less, and people are still joining the household just in like riding horses and stuff. And like that's why they're like knighted, you know. Um, and it's not so much that they're actually piloting knights, right? Um, so you you can still be a knight in the household, and you might never pilot a knight. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, so those are kind of the two things. I really just wanted the the technology to degrade back to a medieval. Uh, that medieval level, and uh, yeah, to to share the fact that anyone is allowed to join this house. Exactly. Okay, age of rebirth. Wait, I think that no, one that's was the one we just did. All right, the forging M thirty three to M thirty five. Over 2,000 years after the Great Lift doors were sealed and locked, men in red robes with strange magic started to appear across Epsilon Beta And 5. so, right off the bat, like, sorry. Um, this like is where this, you see the distinction. Yeah, like, So, 25 now, generations later. Now they're believing that any, like, technology is magic to them. Yeah, sorcery, wizardry, yeah. witchcraft, whatever. Yeah, so, carry on. They were said to be able to shoot lightning out of their hands and lift things many times their own weight, while other had metal others had metal limbs or could see in complete darkness, as well as other strange feats. One night, one of these robed figures approached the gate of Bastion Primus, the massive stone fortress of House Ericus, and requested to talk to the master of the house. The conversation they had together in private resulted in the great lift in the center of Bastion Primus open with a fresh supply of knights and ammunition while in return crates of food was sent down and so a pact was made knights for food the next three thousand years saw house ericus secure their foothold of power over the commoners and spread planet-wide establishing multiple fortress planets what oh uh they spread planet-wide establishing multiple fortresses it also saw contact with the Imperium reestablished, and many knights were sent off-world to battle for the Emperor and the Imperium of Man. Epsilon Beta Five prospered. Yeah, so the Mechanicum shows back up with all these new knights, but at this point, like, uh, the knightly house has already been, like, very much established. They've already had, like, 3,000 years or 2,000 years of, like, 
their own being on their own their own traditions have started to take place they're, they're very um independent now yeah exactly and even the people on the surface are like being ruled over uh by the knights so like the mechanicum doesn't just like here here's all your farm equipment like it still stays at that level because they already have all this like maybe like maybe the knights are actually keeping all this technology how dare like, you you know, like they're just holding their power. So yeah. there's there's many different ways you could take that. Exactly. But the, the end consequence of this whole time frame is that nothing changes for the common citizen. Exactly. And uh, even the, though then there are many, many nights now and uh, communication is reestablished with the Imperium. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. exactly how I'd summarize that. <clears throat> OK, so the age of apostasy M36 as the Imperium was thrown into another civil war because of Go- Goge Van Dyer, is that how you say it? Yeah. Goge Van Dyer's reign of blood, most of House Arrakis' knights were off-planet fighting, leaving only a token force behind on Epsilon Beta Five. It was now that the Dark, Imp- Dark Mechanicum reared it, its ugly head again on the planet. Strange creatures, half-beast, half-machine, and giant in stature roamed the countryside, destroying all in their path. Rumors started to spread of men in black robes controlling the beast with their fell magic. The remaining knights fought back, killing many of these creatures, but there always seemed to be another to take it to take its place many villages were lost to their onslaught onslaught but every creature that was sighted was hunted down mercilessly by the knights over the years the attacks decreased in frequency and in number of tech beasts it was also during this time that house arrakis acquired its pride and jewel a warlord titan the spear of arrakis in a distant part of the galaxy, the house received a distress beacon from the forge world Ithaca. Ithaca was being overrun by traitors loyal to Goj Vandyr and desperately needed reinforcements. The knights of Arrakis descended on the planet in force and laid waste to the heretics. But Ithaca was already overrun and burning. A few pockets of loyalists still remained on the planet fighting to the last to defend their planet. House Arrakis rescued as many as they could. One of these pockets was protected by a mighty warlord titan, the last titan on Ithaca. Upon being rescued and having nowhere else to go, the precipice made... It's supposed to be the princeps. Precepts? Uh, oh. Princeps, yeah. Oh. Pre- I, I probably spelt it horribly. The precepts? Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's the pilot. <laughs> okay, the precepts made an oath to serve House Arrakis. Ithaca burned, but House Arrakis gained a mighty war machine. Yeah, so in this age, uh, the takeaways are the Mechanicum, the Dark Mechanicum, pops back up and starts to basically raid villages. And uh, yeah, the way they do this is using these like tech tech beasts, essentially. Um, An unholy fusion of yeah, life and machine. Like, like, think about, like, if they took a wolf and then, like, started adding, like, mechanical limbs and, like, gave it, like, growth enhancements. And now it's, like, a 40-foot-tall ro- uh, wolf with, like, metal claws. Um, and the reason I did this, I'm not going to say Pacific Rim is a good movie. <laughs> but it's a, let's be honest. It's not. It's not. But it's a good movie for what it is. Yes. Like, it's not a great story, oh, but gosh, it is no. awesome watching 
robots fight giant creatures. They're like, whoever, it's a visual spectacle. Yeah. Whoever exactly. wrote that movie, I don't know who it is, but they have some serious yellow fever. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you know, I, I was watching uh, another like equally horrible movie, Battleship. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, the, Rihanna. Yeah, like the live action one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just terrible. Oh, like, so, but <laughs> yes, Pacific Rim looks amazing. Yeah. And, and Battleship also sort of yeah. had these giant like alien robots, and it, it, it actually looked pretty spectacular, yeah. even on like the small screen. And not was, a good movie. Not good uh, visuals. Ho- yeah, horrible movie. <laughs> Just like, Just like Christian. Don't ever pay money. <laughs> Just like Christian. Great guy. Horrible person. Terrible person. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, and. Yeah, like, there's just that appealing nature of, like, the robots fighting these giant beasts. Um, also, uh, so, having... So the- now you're creating a villain, an adversary on the planet for it, the local population. Yeah, exactly. The boogeyman, you know. Um, you're, you're creating a need for the knights on the planet again. Because before, yeah. you even said they're all... Most of them Went off are world. off planet because, you know, the other worlds yeah. are calling for their help. Yeah. And at the end, I'll tell why i can tell it now i'm setting up all these different story arcs because eventually i want to do an rpg where we're playing as uh like knights essentially on this planet so i want to set up a bunch of different story arcs of uh like knights but like i didn't want to just be like well now you're fighting a tau riptide battle suit like i want it to be like very dungeons and dragons feel just with this giant knight so you needed a way to have these giant creatures and this was kind of my way to do that no, i actually really like this too um it definitely it totally has like a, a dark mechanicus feel to it as well oh yeah like when when you picture it and like um, just look at like they've always had like their fusion of like life and machine yeah but i love the idea of them just taking that to a disgusting level exactly yeah um like just look at the model like the forge fiend the mall of fiend the hell drake like these are all very like animalistic machines um that isn't the, the hell drake is very mechanized though right yeah that one's a little more it's, mechanized, it's, it's not but really a fusion that's more of just a mechanical model in the I'm, shape of a beast, yeah i'm trying right? to th- yeah i think you're right on that yeah um I'm trying to think if I've ever actually seen the model in person. To I've see never, if it I has, never have. Like, I've actually, only ever, yeah, but, I've only ever seen it on GW. But yeah, think like that. Like those things are like, yeah. I just wanted a way to be able to fight a variety it, of any creature. Just this this massive wolf that yeah. is thirty feet tall, whose eyes have been ripped out and are replaced with like these laser eyes that, <laughs> right? that allow it to view in dark. Yeah, its bottom fang is gone, and it's just a mess of mechanical wire and spikes. Yeah, and instead of like slobber, it's like dripping like oil. <laughs> yeah. and like lube. Like acid oil. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like it. Oh, yeah. It just. It's really... It's it would a, make for a very fun RPG. Oh, yeah. And a very terrifying existence on Epsilon <laughs> for, Beta Pi. anyone not in the night, yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, you've created um, a villain, yeah. and you've created danger, but you've also sent redemption through the form of this warlord titan. Yeah, and uh, so this is also I'll probably get a lot of flack. Even from me, I find it kind of retarded that I did this. Um, so one thing I always hate is when people like, oh, I'm going to have my space marine pilot my knight, or this knight now is a part of the ultramarine's house or chapter. It's like, no, they are different things. Yet now I'm mixing a warlord titan into my knight household. Not the worst heresy you've ever done. Not the worst. Um, But still very able to be called out. This is 
yeah, this is not a normal practice. And I completely understand that knight households and titan legions are different completely things. Completely separate. And that's why I completely destroyed Ithaca, giving that knight war- or that warlord nowhere else to go. And, like, I can kind of justify it in my head, but, like, still... Like, uh, yeah, it, the reality of it is they still wouldn't put it there. Yeah. But it's Yeah, not- like, the Mechanicum would probably come... Uh, acquisition that and put it to another knight or oh, to another titan oh, uh, legion yeah another legion right yeah, yeah. that would probably be the more likely circumstance absolutely but, but this this planet does seem a lot more independent of the greater workings of yeah. the imperium so yeah it's, and and since i do have like the mechanicum on the planet like the maintenance and stuff of the warlord titan i can justify it yeah but like i do not see that anyone is ever allowed to touch this titan unless they're from the mechanicum yeah like it's yeah. not like they're just like oh i guess have this titan it's yours now exactly it's, it's like, the mechanicum is still the owner of the titan exactly they lend it out to house Ericus. yes yeah. that's how i view it exactly that that's a good way to look at it so that's the one heresy but uh it's not the worst. there's many more to come there's many more Don't to come. worry <laughs> okay the age of redemption m36 to m37 when the off-world knights of house Ericus returned home and saw the damage that the tech beast had wrought they vowed to stop them no matter the cost and to never leave Epsilon Beta 5 and her citizens so unprotected again. Eventually, hunting the tech beast became sport in a way to test new knights, although the source of the tech beast was never fully realized. With the planet under control again, House Ericus went on more and more off-world crusades but never again left Epsilon Beta 5 so unprotected. House Ericus grew in size to the most powerful it had ever been since its founding. Yeah, and really, uh, I just established a tradition. Like, you know, they fight the the tech beasts. Not a lot happens in this time frame. Um, so everything is brought back under control. Yeah, ex- that's the big thing. Yeah, like yeah. So there is some some security, some safety. There's still going to be raids. People yeah. are still going to die, but for the most part, they're doing great. Exactly. Okay. Okay, so on to... The waning. The waning. Oh. <laughs> the waning, M38 to M40. As millennia after millennia passed, the constant war that the Imperium was in began to take its toll. Across the galaxy, planets were lost to invasion, resources were depleted, and more hostile Xenos races were discovered. While the common folk on Epsilon Beta 5 and even most members of House Ericus were unaware of the state of the Imperium, the masters of the house were aware. It seemed with each passing century, the great lifts brought up less and less knights, whether it was due to lack of resources or a hidden war within the Dark Mechanicum or other factors. The masters of the house could only guess and the Mechanicum were not ones for talking and so the imperium of man on the whole began to waver and weaken at the end of m40 master of vox sir boron Terowin, and his knight detachment crusaded off planet on a campaign with house cerberus a night house from another planet while, wa- while waiting between deployments sir boron learned how most other night houses in the imperium operate he learned of the lordship that the knights had over their peasants, so a seed of jealousy was planted. When Sir Boren and his detachment returned to Epsilon Beta 5, they started extorting and bullying the commoners. When the master of the house learned of this, they were troubled and rebuked the knights and even stripped Sir Boren of his current rank. 
Boren tried to turn other knights of the house to his side, and some did join him. The masters of the house were not pleased and banished Boren and the knights who sided with him. Things turned violent quickly, and and the exiled knights opened fire and tried to overtake the house, but were outnumbered and quickly defeated. So before taking too many losses, they retreated into the countryside. House Arrakis lost one quarter of its night due to the initial firefight and or to other, others joining Boren. Boren and his followers started plaguing the countryside, pillaging and raiding undefended villages, and were dubbed the Oathbreakers. Yeah. So at the beginning of that, I just kind of drop hints that the Dark Mechanicus is still on the planet. They're still... Um, doing their thing, doing a secret war with the Mechanicum underground. Because there's that massive labyrinth of tunnels and forges under there. And then obviously the other big thing is some of the house turned traitor. Um, Because the knight household that House Arrokus is, um, like I said, it's not like other households. It's not a royal bloodline. Like, as much as the knights rule over the common folks, they are not their kings and lords. They are more just like a mighty being like, servants really yeah like well, they serve the house he, who in turn protects the exactly village. it's much more of like a uh a joint effort than yeah so when sir boren left and he discovered like all this uh like how true night households work he's like i want that too and uh yeah he basically took half or a quarter of the house with him and just fled into the countryside and uh yeah now he's like raiding raiding villages and once again like uh, I go back to I want to do an RPG eventually with knights and like this is just another enemy that you could fight and it would just create it creates like a, a nice uh, tension between like the good and the bad like oh you've become a fallen knight like there's now this chance to become like this fallen knight or to fight a fallen brother and then you, you might talk to him and then like you might actually begin to sympathize with him because he's not a straight out like he's not like he's not a chaos worshiper. he's not blood for the blood god yet no so yeah. There, there might not even be any, like, you can, you can not side with the Imperium or with your house and still be a very, like, righteous and pious person. Yeah. Right? You just have to not agree with them, but the Imperium just has no room for arguments. Yeah. So, so I, it really just opened up another enemy and also the possibility where I can now play as Chaos Knights from my household or Traitor Knights or, or I can play as Loyalists. Like, yeah. I can do either way and it's just good story potential. Yes. Uh, I do have a question. Yeah. You call them oath breakers. Yes. Is there, have you written out the oath that a knight takes when he becomes a knight? Yes. Have you? No. Okay. That would, I, I, I think that would be cool. I do have like ideologies and stuff that I go into, but yeah, I think I should come up with an oath. I, I think it would be like, cool. Like it, like there's oaths of the moment, yeah. but I like, I want one where when you become a knight, like you have to recite this yeah. after someone. And, no, that's cool. Yeah. Um, originally I called these guys the black knights. But I, I I thought more about it. It was just too bang on the head of like yeah, like it, it's too much towards chaos. Yeah, as this one is less towards that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I I, I will come up with an oath. That would be cool. I think it'd be or, cool. Or a, a bunch of different oaths, right? Even like, yeah, something because everyone can like swear something differently yeah and it'd be kind of cool if they get something to represent that oath yeah and then when they become the oath breaker like they mar that thing yeah. or they like smash it or whatever yeah. as like a true like a physical yeah because they're still very much like rooted in like tradition and like honor and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's just these uh, oaths that they have forsaken yeah. so yeah. cool um yeah all right 
The time of ending, M41. The Imperium is beset on all sides. Ah, the Deckard King! (laughs) He's back! (laughs) The Imperium is beset upon all sides by heretics, mutants, renegades, and xenos. 10,000 years have taken its toll on the Imperium of Man, and its future has never been so bleak. Over the past 7,000 years, House Ericus has made a name for themselves amongst the stars and are constantly being petitioned to help defend other planets in the Imperium. With the Great Rift open and the Imperium fighting for its very existence, many of the pleas go unheard because of the current situation that House Ericus finds itself in. With fewer knights being delivered on the Great Lifts and the increase in attacks by the foul tech beasts, also oh, they're increasing again. Yeah. It is rumored that the Dark Mechanicum has taken over some underground forges and is fighting a secret war with the Mechanicus underground. It is also believed by many, but never confirmed, that the Oathbreakers have fallen fully to chaos in the Dark Mechanicus. They have even on occasion been seen fighting beside these tech beasts. Whether this is just a tax of opportunity, or if there is some dark alliance, is up for debate. While word of the tech priests, the Oathbreakers, and the Dark Mechanicus is talked of only in whispers, the Orc Wog is on the forefront of everyone's words. Orcs have always been a plague on the planet, but up until the last century, the Orcs on Epsilon Beta 5 were feral and had no to very low technology. But under the leadership of Warlord Iron Guts, that has all changed. Basic slug throwers, metal armor, and occasionally primitive motorized war buggies have begun to spring up across the planet, making the orcs a much greater threat than before. There have even been rare occurrences where the orcs have managed to defeat a knight and loot it, making it their own. These orcs call themselves the Mecha Knobs and gather huge followings of orcs to their walk and are an unstoppable force without the assistance of House Ericus's knights. The orc warlord Iron Guts was the first Mechanob and has since fully integrated himself to his captured knife, the Iron Claw, with a K. <laughs> orc. <laughs> Rumors have it that it is because this defeated and captured knight that the orcs are unlocking its secrets and gaining technology themselves. With the frequent distress calls from off-world, the increase in tech beasts and Dark Mechanicus presence, the traitor Oathbreakers, and the most dangerous Orc Wog in Epsilon Beta 5's history, House Ericus is fighting for their very survival, a fight they may not be able to win. Yeah, so as with all 40k, everything needs to be left on a cliffhanger and left in a very bleak state. So that is where I... As is tradition. As is tradition. So that's where I took it to. Like, all these things are now stacking up. Like, we mentioned that uh, the planet had feral orcs, like, way back during the Horus Heresy. And they're never really mentioned again, because they were just feral orcs. But now they actually, like, they... Like, due to tech beasts fighting knights, one of the knights fell. And then Lork Warlord, like, took it over. And now, like, they actually, like unlock this technology yeah stacking on a greater threat onto the house right and whereas maybe before like when orcs are fighting humans they have no need for technology because to them it's all about a good fight and all of a sudden they're like okay there's more tech beasts there's more knights more of our skirmishes are involving these things we need to upgrade so we can have a good fight against these guys exactly because now there's just more dangerous things on the planet yeah um the other thing i wrote um was that the Oathbreakers might have actually fallen to chaos, but I, I left it vague. Like, I didn't outright come out and say it, because once again, I want that possibility for some Oathbreakers to be just people who... Who are disenfranchised with 
uh, House Ericus. Exactly, and not just like chaos, chaos, you know. Yeah. But also, I needed a way to have like them be a sustainable thing. Um, so I, I hinted that the Dark Mechanicum's actually providing them knights now, and like there's almost like that second knight household going on. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, like, Dark House Ericus. <laughs> and all these things, uh, I just like was thinking like, what's gonna make like a cool RPG world to play on so yeah um and then i think that was all the other thing i guess was like uh the imperium is like petitioning house arrow because like i did mention that the great rift has opened up but like yeah that's not it's it's more just like showing that like all the all the imperium is like being uh uh, under siege exactly and like that the knights no longer have enough to like fulfill all their obligations and stuff and now they're actually having to like pick and choose so they feel and... stretched thin again exactly exactly um but yeah so that's basically the history of the knight household arrow kiss um yeah it like i said it has some different things than regular knight households but i think i can justify them well enough what yeah that? no what was that maneuver i was yawning you, you yawned and your tongue's like a little lizard like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what the f- you know how it is sometimes <laughs> you gotta yawn like a lizard it's fine um yeah no i actually uh really enjoy like the story behind this um it i yeah it it feels it has that grim dark feeling that i yeah. always look for in 40k because if it doesn't it's not 40k yeah i'm then sorry what, you then can't, what, are you, when, what are you doing if yeah, it's not grim dark you can't play 40k monopoly i'm sorry it should <laughs> well, not be a thing i mean you can as long as prison is like the like the, what's se- slanesh's yeah, hell the, the seven gates of hell yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like that's prison <laughs> yeah yeah um what would boardwalk be the palace of terra to be honest, Eric, I don't think I've ever played a game of Monopoly, so... Boardwalk would be the Talos of Terra. Um, Park Place would be Mars. Mm-hmm. Or Luna. No, Luna. It would be the... Um, Sounds like you should work for Games Workshop developing Monopoly. I should game. work for Games Workshop. <laughs> and Hasbro. <laughs> oh, I would work for that company. Yeah. They make... I'm pretty sure they make Monopoly. Hasbro. They, what yeah. do they not make, Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> that cheese you eat? Hasbro. <laughs> Just leftover molds of uh, <laughs> exactly. plastic. Okay, let's keep moving here. All right. Um, yeah, no, but I actually really enjoy the story of this whole thing. Yeah, and that's what anything should have. Like, if you're going to make something custom, it should have a good story to it. There should be reasons to why you're writing the story, and there should be reasons to why you made, like, the choices that you made. Um, so just, like, I'm not a professional writer by any means. What? Yeah. But when, when I started, a couple people asked me, like, oh, how did you write this, like, lore? Like, I started at what do I want to accomplish? And then knowing that, then I then I started at the f- start of my history and worked towards that. Um, like, I didn't just start, like, the Great Crusade. Okay, what happened? Like, I didn't. Yeah, you knew that, where you wanted to end up already. Exactly. So then so, you built your house around that. Exactly. You're like, what was the journey to the destination? Exactly. You didn't so, start with a journey and be like, where am I going to end up? Yeah. So when you're writing your own lore, because I'm sure lots of people like me are not, we're not writers, like we're just nerds. It's a good place to yeah. start. No, those. most authors actually. I took a, <laughs> I took like, you know, the online master classes. Oh yeah, yeah. We're like, learn how to do this. Yeah, I yeah. took one by James Patterson, Okay, the like novelist. And yeah. he says like, start with the end in mind. So like, yeah. know where you're going or else there's not going to be any drive to your plot. Exactly. It's just, it's just going to feel... 
if, if you're if you're trying to figure it out it'll feel like coincidence yeah. yeah yeah and that's what when i had like each of my segments like each of my little lore segments i pushed another plot point forward yeah. to push towards that end goal that i had in mind yeah so anyways know. cool yeah um so i'll talk about the heraldry and a uh, couple of their kind of more uh that kind of thing so their heraldry uh their motto is brotherhood through arms and the reason this is a motto is because anyone can join house Arrowkiss. their battle cry is we march and uh, cool bro that's that's cool. we march <laughs> cool story bro yeah tell it again we march <laughs> Um, the heraldry of House Arrowkiss has had two major renditions since its founding. When they were first founded during the Horus Heresy, the knights were simply painted in the Mechanicum red, and on each shoulder was painted the Opius Machina, the skull cog of the Mechanicum. After the Horus Heresy, House Arrowkiss went onto the surface of Epsilon Beta Five, where vast areas of the planet had been irradiated in the conflict. In these areas, all that remained was the Arrowkiss, a giant robust tree with purple flowers the defiance of these trees to survive while everything else in the immediate area died inspired the house and the arrow kiss was taken on as a symbol of strength and endurance by the house the knights were painted purple with their front left shoulder plate painted white with a silhouette of arrow kiss with purple flowers the front uh right shoulder pad did i say that twice maybe not the front right shoulder pad is painted with the knight's rank a solid white for knight appearance, uh, white with a purple dash for knight marshals, white with a purple X for knight accomplished, accomplished, uh, and white with a purple X for masters of the house, as well as a white helmet. The back shoulder pad is painted purple with the white OPS of the Mechanicum, while the back right is painted purple with a white Aquila of the Imperium. So one thing to note is um, most houses, the back two shoulder plates usually will have either the Mechanicum or the Imperium. But since my house kind of falls in both, like it is a Mechanicum house. But it answers to the Imperium's call. Yeah, it, I put both of them on there. Um, the Iron Shield shows the knight's personal heraldry and a gold cast of the animal that most relates to the pilot's characteristics is fastened to it. The knight's right knee is painted in a black and white pattern to show, show his sword's heraldry, and his right knee is painted white with a black... Uh, numerical number why would I say numerical number I don't know of a knight the knight's name is painted on the chess piece uh, banner and the commander of a sword has a banner of house Erechus mounted upon his back carapace sorry what is a sword so a sword is an attachment regular knight households call them lances so we'll get into the organization of my house and then you, you know exactly but basically it's a, a unit of knights okay like a sergeant <laughs> you had that smirk on your face <laughs> the men at arms wear purple plate armor underneath that they wear black padded cloth a brown trench coat lined with chainmail is worn for added protection their left shoulder pauldron has a number of their squad while the right pauldron has a number within the squad a cloth talbert hanging between their legs legs hold the arrow kiss of house arrow kiss commander at arms have double white striped on the helmet and has personal heraldry on the right shoulder pauldron sergeant at arms have a white strip on their helmet that's all pretty pretty bland but but it's need, fleshed out you yeah you need to have it fleshed out like there why do they actually have that symbol where they have it yeah so it is important even though it's kind of boring to listen to um the other thing uh men at arms we haven't really talked about them but we will 
But we kind of mentioned that like anyone can join the house, but not everyone gets to pilot a knight. So what does everyone else do? They become men at arms. They become like, uh, like think like Imperial Guard, essentially. Like think of yeah. like, yeah, Ex- militia. Exactly. It's the militia to the knight. Like yeah. there's, there's way more militia than there are knights. Exactly. And there's, you're going to have militia outposts everywhere, yeah. but you can't have a knight outpost yeah, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Right? So that's uh, some, something about that. Cool. You want to read training and recruitment? Sure. All right. When a commoner of Epsilon Beta 5, either man or woman... Because I'm very progressive. Thank you for that, Mark. <laughs> ...approaches the house, they are tested for their potential to pilot a knight. Sorry, sorry. I can't lie. I'm not very progressive. You're not at all. <laughs> I, I can't lie to my knight household. I have to be honorable. <laughs> sorry, continue. <laughs> While a lucky few are chosen this way... Uh, so you can just go straight from being a commoner to joining yeah. a knight, potentially. So one thing... Um, that I don't think I ever wrote down, but in my head canon, um, there is kind of like still noble bloodlines within the household. Like you could still trace back your ancestry and be like, look, my father piloted a knight, his father piloted a knight. And then you might actually be selected to pilot a knight. Without having to go through the men-at-arms training yeah. and yeah. working your way up. So there, there still kind of are these bloodlines that are honored and stuff. Um, but it's it's not so much of, of like a like a clear... I don't know, there is a clear breakup. But it's not that you can't rise out of peasantry. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, while a lucky few are chosen this way, most join a standing RV of men and women wearing plate armor, wielding las locks with fixed bayonets like spears and frag grenades. They usually accompany the knights in their crusades. While most of these men-at-arms serve their entire life in this position, men-at-arms are taught how to fire a laslock and use their rifle bayonet like a spear and how to throw grenades. Can I stop you there for a second? Yes, you can. Um, what's that face on your look, first of all? Because these sentences don't make sense, and I'm trying so hard to <laughs> adjust them as I read. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm just a little boy. We're making um, it work. So a laslock, like, I, I like to think that they... F- like function like a musket like they're a single cell las gun like so they put like a double bat double a battery into their las lock gun and then they shoot it they get one shot then they have to pop that double a battery in out and put in a new one and uh i i like that because it keeps like the men at arms technology like low like they don't they're not just running around with these crazy assault weapons yeah they don't have bolt guns but i i also did this because then on the household like on the planet it keeps it balanced with the orcs and stuff and all the other things. Like they can, they're not just shooting arrows at this orcs giant. Orcs who have battle wagons and yeah. tech beasts. Um, but I also did it so when they're off planet, they can still like shoot. Can stuff. they though? Yeah, it's, it's still a powerful. <laughs> of course, laser gun, of course. But yeah, so Laszlo's are, are super sweet in my mind, and uh, yeah, they're the perfect level of technology. Yeah, they are also given basic tactic lessons. They rise through the ranks due to combat prowess or their ability to lead. First as a recruit at arms, then soldier at arms, then veteran at arms, then sergeant at arms. Oh, God. There's a theme, guys. Then a specialist at arms, and finally a commander. At legs. (laughs) Oh, God, no. Um, No, at arms. The exceptional few are promoted through a valorous act or continual battle honors to knights in waiting, where they are taught how to subdue a horse to their will, much like a knight subdues the machine spirit in a knight suit to his will. This is every man-at-arms dream. Most knights are selected around the late teens to early twenties to begin their initial training as a knight apparent. Uh, They then squire for a knight marshal who teaches them the way of war. 
While they mostly train in piloting a knight, each one also takes pride in his own personal ability to fight with sword and lasgun. Laslock. Uh-oh, I'll change it. I'm on it. Yep. Most waking hours are spent doing combat exercises. When the knight marshal deems his apparent fit... So this is like a one-on-one type scenario. Yeah. Yeah, so like the Black Templar thing. Yeah. So yeah, like one a, knight marshal selects... It's Jedi Padawan. Or just think knights and squires. You can have multiple squires. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I Yeah. There might be, but usually not. Like... No, no, I sorry. In my household, I mean... Oh, like, I see what you're they, saying. They might... They might they might have multiples uh, sure. parents. Uh, it's also going to do with how that individual person likes to do their training. Exactly. Cool. So, uh, Most waking hours are spent doing combat exercises. When the Night Marshal deems his apparent fit, he is sent into the wild to find and kill a tech beast. So is this in a night? Yes. Cool. Uh, yeah, we'll get into like, we've mentioned like a lot of like commander in arm, knights in waiting. I actually have like a description of what each one of these things actually is. Excellent. If successful in killing the tech beast, he becomes a full member knight. From there, they are watched by the masters of the house, and when they deem the knight ready, promote him to knight accomplished, either because of their combat prowess or tactical awareness or leadership abilities. A knight questoris is an uncommon occurrence in the house, as a knight must petition his oath to the masters of the house. If they deem the knight's cause worthy, they will release him to fulfill his oath. An oath can be anything from vengeance on an enemy to uh, who killed the knight in his sword, so his, like, group. Unit, yeah. yeah. To a life debt owed to an ally or to a quest of redemption for a past failing, a knight Questorus may only return in glory or death. Come back on your shield. <laughs> no, come back with your shield or on it. You will use it as a bed. I don't know what we're talking Spartan, about. Spartan, it's 300, oh, right? Because okay. oh, you, yes, you okay. either come back alive or you come back mm, yeah. dead. Um, so these guys Victorious are... Victorious dead. <laughs> these guys are free blades essentially for anyone who knows anything about night hole so, yeah. so they, are- they function outside of the regular yeah. uh, hierarchy the greatest honor in the house is to pilot the hammer of ericus a warlord titan screening for the pilot is very r- vigorous he must be noble loyal oh, so he must be noble so this one has to be of noble blood or noble no, no, stand- noble character gotcha i like noble standing yeah, yeah. more not his bloodline. No, no, no. He must be noble, loyal, slow to anger, humble, and a good pilot. While there is only one pilot at a time, the council secretly keeps their eyes on replacements should the current pilot no longer be fit to serve. All are free to join the house, man or woman, even children. Members of the house are free to marry and have children. Joining the house is still a huge commitment, as the only way to leave is after 10 years of service, death, or banishment due to questionable morals. Yeah. Like eating your own foot. <laughs> yes, sir. Foot taco. Foot tacos. I'm glad we got that in here. I know. I hope Christian <laughs> listens to this. There's nothing wrong with eating your own foot. I just want to put that as long out there. as you, eating your own foot. There's nothing yes, wrong with eating yes, your own foot. Yes. I'm not a cannibal because I bite my fingernails. No, of I'm course just a weirdo. Not. Yes. If you chew a piece of your cheek off and it slides down your gullet and you happen to like and it and you happen and to enjoy it a it little again, bit and you dip it in does ketchup, does that make you a cannibal? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. Okay. So, um, when organization. Comes, yeah. Sorry. Oh, the so, recru- I just want to quick yeah, yeah. recap yeah, yeah, of the yeah. recruiting and training. Sure. Um, it's pretty simple. Really? It is. Yeah. There's just, there's like your four at, or your five at arms ranks. Um, you can join the Knights um, either by petitioning to be uh, exempted from the whole man-at-arms thing yeah. or you work your way through the men exactly at arms. and you just prove yourself and they take the best of the best yeah 
So and that makes complete sense. Um, shouldn't yeah. really need any further explanation. No, it, it's on pretty that straightforward. One. Yeah. Um. So the organization over the millennia, Bastion Primus has become a gigantic stone fortress able to hold hundreds of knights, thousands of men at arms, and other personnel. This is the House Arrokis's main staging grounds for crusades off-world. House Arrokis also has several fortresses across the planet, some able to hold dozens of knights, hundreds of men-at-arms, and other personnel. These fortresses are set up in a similar manner to Bastion Primus, on top of a great lift. From these fortresses, the planet is kept safe. So the whole planet has a bunch of fortresses on it, each connected to the Mechanicum. So, uh, yeah, like... Yeah, just a bunch of different places. Yeah. And each one probably would have, like, its own flavor and, like, style of combat. Or, like, these guys might be, like, up in the mountains and they might be cold and harsh and rigid type knights and, like, value, like, sturdiness, you know. It just gives a little character. They're not all in one place. Gotcha. Um, the organization of House Erokis is different as opposed to most other knight households. Uh, all are free to join the house and wear its heraldry. There are four branches to the house. The knights, the men-at-arms... The Scarsistans? Sacristans? Scarsistans. I don't know. What is uh, it supposed to be? That's what it's supposed to be. The I, Sacristans? Sacristans? I, I don't know how to say Eric. I don't know <laughs> Eric, okay? Fair enough. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. And serfs. But they are a real thing, and we'll get into what they actually are. It'd be nice um, if you knew what they were called. Read it. Read it, Eric. Why <laughs> can't right. you read it? All right. <laughs> Uh, the house is ruled by a council of five. Four masters of the house all vote on matters, and if there is a tie, the grand master gets the deciding vote. The council is selected by an election process, and all members of the house get to vote for the candidates, but all candidates must be knights. So even men at arms get to choose who are leading the house, but you still have to be able to pilot a knight. You still have to be a knight. Yeah, you can't be on the ballot unless you're a knight. Exactly. One member of the house is selected to pilot the Hammer of Arrokis. Um, uh-oh. Uh, a warlord titan at my phone like all froze up yeah a warlord titan and does so until he's no longer able a very coveted position in battle knight detachments are led by knight accomplished and sometimes by a master house and are formed in swords of three to five knights multiple swords are gathered together depending on the threat level on rare occasions a knight will quest forth on his own following an imperial guard regiment or a stardust chapter or even other forge world titan legions or other or these are Knight Questoros. But, uh, yeah, so that's basically just telling, like, the organization of how knights function. Like, you know, you still have, like, your hierarchy. Like, this guy will lead these guys. Like, you still need that. Sure. Men-at-arms are often accompanied, uh, often accompany the knights in battle in groups called spears and are led by the commander-at-arms and his command squad made up of five specialists at arms. A knight at... <laughs> A knight at arms. Oh my God. I love how many at arms. It has to be. It has to be. I think we can come up with something else, but keep going. I like a theme, a strong theme, because then they're all men at arms, but you have a certain other title. But uh, a knight at arms is attached to spears that have started to make a name for themselves. He watches for potential knights. Uh, below that are 10 veteran at arms and 40 soldier soldiers at arms, each broken into units of 10, led by a sergeant at arms. Zero to ten knights in waiting will often accompany a spear. Occasionally, a scarcistan, sacristan, sacristan, and servitors, or a ministerium priest of the ecclesiarchy will accompany the spear into battle. So this is more just like kind of boring stuff, but it's essential. Like when you're doing stuff, like 
if you're doing a Space Marine chapter, like how does your organization of your Space Marine chapter actually work? So yeah, it's it's I'm just laying out boring that. but necessary. Exactly. Outside of battle, it is the House Serfs that run the day to day. They're members of the House who are deemed not capable of war, either due to being too young or old, a battle injury, or simply by choice. They're essential part of the House, keeping everything running smoothly. They are their numbers include chefs, blacksmiths, healers, cleaners, and other such duties. And this kind of just shows that, like, when you join the House, you're not just a soldier. Like. Everyone kind of works towards the good of the house, towards the good of the planet. You shut the fuck up about greater good. <laughs> fuck me. I snuck it in. <laughs> he caught me. The Scarsasans are... Re- Jeez, you butcher that word. <laughs> ...are recruited by the Mechanicum and inducted into the cult Mechanicus. After training, they are sent to the surface to make- maintain the knights. They tend to the machines and weapons of the house, keeping everything operational. They're essentially tech priests. Yeah. Or tech marines. Like, they're... Except they're not marines. No, no, but... Their function is purely, like... Tech tech priest is the right word. Tech priest would be the right one. Yeah. Yeah. The main population of the world live simple lives, unaware of the greater galaxy they live in. They hear stories of the god emperor conquering the stars, but they don't fully realize what it means, means, usually chalking it up to myths and legends and gods. The ecclesiarchy have been known to send priests to the planet to spread the faith of the emperor. Oftentimes, these priests request to join House Erechus in war to uplift the men-at-arms. That's that's where the majority of your faith is going to be required, is when you're facing down a 40-foot-tall tech beast. Yeah, exactly. The average strength uh, through the millennium of House Erechus consisted of one warlord titan, around 500 battle-ready knights, 100 knights in repair, which is like a battle-damaged, waiting to be fixed, Knight. I didn't get that from the title. Oh, so fuck. Thanks. Okay. Great. Great. Knight. Men at arms. Commander at arms. Chief at arms. <laughs> 50 Questoros knights. Five or 50,000 men at arms with highs and lows depending on recruitments and casualty rates as well as production times. As of 999 M41, House Erechus is led by Grandmaster Sir Aldous Stero, Master Tactician Sir Haldir Crow, Master of the... Vo- I made these names up. So. I can tell. <laughs> You'd hope you could read them. But I can. <laughs> Master of the Vox, Dame Essa... Lac- sure. Yeah. Lactrin. Master of Lore, Sir Sakin Drax. And Master of the Forge, Sir Raiden Frenkel. And- There's got to be a pun there. Raiden Frenkel? There's got to be something there. <laughs> you know I'm Raiden Frenkel. <laughs> Gross. Uh. <laughs> Raiden Frankie. <laughs> Uh, and have uh, at their command one Warlord Titan, 259 battle-ready knights, 72 knights in repair, 18 Questoros knights, and 36,241 men-at-arms. So, <laughs> it's important! 41! <laughs> and uh, it has significantly, le- significantly less than any other period in time. Cool. Um, this, I'm not sure how many knights are actually in the house. So if somebody yells at me like, why the fuck do you have that many knights? Like, I'm sorry. There's no numbers. Like, uh, when I did my... And here's... Like, think about this. Yeah. If you have... If you're sending, all right, like, we need a battle, like, force of knights. Yeah. How many knights are you sending off planet? A hundred? Yeah, who knows? Right? Like, if you want to fight for a planet, you need a lot of stuff, right? And they have stuff all over the galaxy. So let's say at any given time, 150 knights are off planet. And then you have a hundred knights left to guard an entire planet yeah like people don't really get grasp of the scale of 40k yeah yes um, yeah. so to me 
who, it, who knows nothing about knights. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that makes fine. sense. So when I did research during the horror series, I found one solid number and I forget which house it had 900 knights. Um, during the horror heresy. heresy so completely different time yeah um the other one that says a number and this is not a direct number house raven is said to have several hundred knights so that's at least 300 knights and that's in current 40k several means three yeah oh yeah um so and that and that one is percent i think it's said to be the largest knight household so i i'm under that largest knight household still yeah um yeah, uh, then I have some graphs of just like, oh, this is actually how a detachment works. Like, this guy's under this guy. It's impossible to tell you exactly yeah, what it is. But, but it is, it's set out exactly yeah, like, like how it goes, which exactly. is cool, because it's yeah. good to have that established. Yeah, so now we'll talk about the actual ranks, and uh, like, when I say what a man-at-arms is, we'll know what it is. So, the masters of the house, the grand master, the leader of the house... His word is law, nominated not only for his tactical prowess and ability to lead, but also his skill at piloting a knight. Few in the house can best him in combat. He is what all members of the house aspire to be. You want to we'll do one? We'll just go around the table reading them? Sure. Uh, I'll do the master tactician. The main tactical advisor of the house, nominated for his ability to always think 10 steps ahead. He knows the weaknesses of his foes and how to exploit them. He is responsible for teaching most knight apparents how to fight as part of a sword or a unit. Master of Vox, the face and voice of the house, nominated for his negotiation skills and understanding of the Imperial War Machine. Most non-house members petition him when they need something of the house. He is the one who speaks the word of the Grand Master and the Council. Master of Lore, the Master of Ceremonies and Rites, nominated for his passion for knowledge. <laughs> mm, sassy. When someone is inducted into the house or a member is knighted, it is done so by him. He has answers to all the questions about the house, uh, the Imperium, its enemies, and everything in between. Master of the Forge, the liaison to the Mechanicum, nominated for his knowledge in the workings of the night suits and other technologies. He is the one who deals directly with the Mechanicus and the Sacristans. What's a weird word, man? He also keeps track of the armory and the care of knights. I have a question. Yeah. So you said there are five of these guys, yeah. five masters. Yeah. And normally only the four vote. Tactician, Vox, Lore, and Forge. Yeah. And then on occasion, the Grand Master has to make the deciding factor. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just always say that they all, all like, five vote always? I, I think I might have just worded that weird. I, I, I think I was trying to more get across the point, like, that in the tiebreaker, whoever the Grand Master votes for is, like, he's tied. Yeah, I definitely worded it well, weird. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it... There's two ways I could see that working. One, like, if they all vote together, everyone else might disagree with him. Yeah. Right? So, like, they're voting for something, he might still lose. Yeah, but yeah. It was just, it was odd to me that he doesn't regularly vote. Yeah, I, no, so definitely I worded that wrong. Okay. He should regularly vote. I've seen it more, yeah, like, all the other four vote first, he's the last to vote. So he gets I that, see. that. The side. final say. Yeah. So, so it, they, it they is all a tiebreaker. Like, yeah, so they all make his point, or their points, and then he gets to decide, like, okay, I like what you two are going with, you know. That's what I was trying to more get across. Okay. That was just the question I yep. thought. Had. So, yeah, so those are the leaders of the house. Uh, now we have knightly ranks. Knight revered, the most honored position in the house, even above Grandmaster. He is responsible for piloting the hammer of Arrokis, 
uh, Warlord Titan. His wrath, wrath is unstoppable. Wars can be won in a single shot. Flap, 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 flap. Drip, drip, drip. <laughs> <laughs> you can see a little bit of love here. <laughs> His wrath is unstoppable. Wars can be won in a single shot of its main gun. He is House's ultimate weapon. Except the gun on him is not the most powerful gun in the Imperium. Yeah, well, fuck Games Workshop for ruining <laughs> things. Um, but, um, I had a question. Uh, he's the most honored ho- member of the House. That's probably even above the grandmaster yeah, but um, he has so honored being like from a like the members of the house honor him because he actually has no real say yeah he he functions outside but it's just like it's the ultimate weapon like everyone else has penis envy for this guy yeah, like yeah. he's just like this is what you, everyone wants to be okay like I, I do have another question though yeah. uh how can your warlord be used if it's not even done <laughs> Touche, Eric. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, he's just missing a couple armor plates, so we'll just, just take a couple. we'll take his seventy wounds down to fifty. That that sounds good. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I still don't have a chance, but that's fine. <laughs> All right, the night accomplished. The veteran knights of the house. Some are chosen to lead swords because of their combat abilities or tactical insight, and others because of their inspirational effect on others on their knights. All are competent warriors. Most having fought for decades, they are the house's elite. Knight Marshal. The majority of the knights in the house are they are the main battle force of the house. Each one has proved themselves in battle and is a trusted member of the house. They form tight knit battle groups called swords, either for similar or complementary fighting styles. Knight Apparent, the newest knights of the house, usually young and impulsive, these members are required to kill a tech beast alone to prove themselves to be promoted. But until they choose until then, they choose a knight marshal to squire under. They train hard in order to prove themselves. Knight Questorus. Knights who have taken up an oath and have vowed to not return home until they have deemed it fulfilled. They take with them a small retainer and venture throughout the galaxy, settling for nothing less than success. Great feasts and honor is granted to those who complete their oath. Yeah. So this rank is outside the other ones because, like, you could be a knight accomplished and then become a knight questoros and go on your For quest. a limited amount of time. Yeah. And then you come back when you're done, when your oath is fulfilled, yeah. and you take up your old exactly. role again. Exactly. Or unless you lose your knight, in which case you're back down well, to men at arms. No, bad, bad. You, no, no. We said they either come back in glory or death. Right, exactly. So. Come back with your shield on it. Exactly. <laughs> men at arms <laughs> ranks. So, knight at arms. These noble men were once knights who have since given up that role in order to look for the next generation. They join spears and watch the men at arms for new and upcoming candidates for knighthood. A spear is? Uh, it's... A detachment of men-at-arms okay. so it's so, usually made up of like 55 guys i think you were opening a, a window unit. when i said that well i it's just it's a it's a grouping of men it's just you call swords and spears but yeah. it's like i yeah, understand yeah. that it's just a grouping of men yeah but like within that grouping it breaks down into like then there's actual different units as okay. veteran units and there's all that sure so yeah uh knights in waiting Men at, they are men-at-arms who have been deemed worthy to pilot a knight suit, but have to wait until a knight suit is made available. They ride into battle on horseback, wielding a crack lance, laslock, pistol, and chainsword. A laslock pistol. Yeah. Okay. Or um, laslock, like either one sure. they want, like, it's up to them. 
While technically under the leadership of a commander at arms, they are usually left to their own training and tactics, leading glorious charges into enemy lines. Yeah, and these guys are just like, they are so close to being a knight that they're just trying to prove themselves worthy to get that They've knight. They've got the hunger. They, yeah, they're just doing whatever They've they can. They've had a little taste of <laughs> glory. Taste. Yeah. Commander at arms. The highest rank a man at arms can obtain. They are responsible for anywhere between 25 and 55 men-at-arms. They provide tactical awareness and leadership to the men under them. Even knights have a high regard for them. They are also highly skilled warriors. Yeah. Specialists at arms. There's five different specialists uh, that are in a spear, and each one kind of has like a unique role. So, lieutenant-at-arms... <laughs> More at arms. Yes, sir. Get her going. We're going all the way deep, buddy. The commander at arms, right-hand man. If anything happens to the commander at arms during the battle, it is this man who fulfills his spot. Oh, you want me to do the next? Oh, I can do the next one. Yeah, do all the specialists. Messenger at arms. He is trained... He is a trained falconeer and is responsible for delivering messages and receiving messages from other units in the sphere. So, hold on. Yeah. They literally use falcons? Yes. And this just goes back to that like weird backwards, like they're writing messages by torchlight, but they also have a 50-foot tall robot. Like so it's wild. just like this like backwards thought process. Yeah. Um Banner Bearer at Arms. <laughs> he's so, just he's just a banner guy. Yep. He's responsible for uh, Yeah, words. Carrying banners, some would say. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Into battle. <laughs> ah. Spotter at arms. Equipped with a telescopic laser targeter, he is able to call in long-range bombardments from knights that are within the surrounding battle sectors. Medic at arms. Equipped with a medical kit, he tends to the wounded in a spear. Uh, more of a first aid capacity than a surgical one. Yeah, they don't have surgeons. Or if they do, they're like leeching people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very backwards. Yeah. Um, so these are all specialists. Yeah. Okay. So... I'll just say one quick thing. I should have started this before we went through the men-at-arms. Like, I'm using Imperial Guard. Like, I actually have units for my men-at-arms. I'm using, like, an Imperial Guard regiment, basically, as kind of, like, the rules. So, like, uh, the knight-at-arms, the guy who, like, looks for, like, potential new knights, he's a commissar, rules-wise. The knights-in-waiting who ride horses, they're rough riders. The commander-at-arms is just, like, a regular commander. Like, I forget what they call them. Captains, maybe? I don't know. Um, these specialists, like a lieutenant at arm is basically just like a veteran in a command squad. The messenger is a guy with a Vox caster. Uh, the banner bearer is a guy with a regimental banner. Uh, the medic is a guy with medical kit, obviously. Uh, the spotter is, uh, he's the master of ordinance. So like he, like on tabletop, he can actually call in like an, uh, a barrage type weapon. So this is my like thought of like, he's actually calling in like long range support from a knight. And then everything else, like sergeants and all these veterans and stuff, like they're pretty obvious. Makes sense. Yeah, pretty obvious equivalent. All right. So the sergeant at arms, the leaders of individual teams of soldiers at arms, they are responsible for nine soldiers. They relay orders from the command squad to those under them. They provide guidance and training to those under them in and out of combat. Veteran at arms, the more experienced men at arms. They are used to support weak points in the spear. Positioning, positioning themselves where the fighting is the thickest. It is from this group that knights-in-waiting are tip, typically chosen from. 
Soldier at Arms, the common rank and file member of the house. They have received weapon and uh, tactics training and can be counted on to fight in support of the knights of the house. In battle, they operate in firing lines, taking out enemy stragglers and holding objectives. A recruit at arms, the newest member of the house. They're usually commoners who decide to help better Epsilon 5 in the Imperium. They don't have all the weapons training of even a soldier at arms and only see battle in the most dire of circumstances, but given time can rise through the ranks to become valued members of the house. And then we have the support staff, uh, the serfs, the behind the scenes members of the house. They cook and clean and run errands and other tasks that need to be done in order to for the house to function. While not the most needed and glorious position, they are still treated well within the house. Socrates. You gotta change this name, man. I know, no, that's like Sacristan. an official Games Workshop. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. I don't I don't know if that's spelled right. Gotcha. I've I never think, heard of them. But it is an official Games okay. Workshop thing. So Sacristans. Yeah. While not technically a part of the house... Because, Eric, if it was me, I would have called them tech priests at arms. <laughs> that's how you know it wasn't me. <laughs> Mages at arms. Mages at arms, yeah. <laughs> uh, while technically not a part of the house, they're still treated as if they were. They are members of the Mechanicum who maintain the knights and any other technology the house has. They also make weapons and armor for the men at arms. They keep things in working order. Okay, so that's like all the different ranks and like... It's important to do stuff like that when you're writing your own house law. I know it's bland, but you have to do it. Yeah. yeah. It just it's lends itself to a full world. Exactly. So I, I, I appreciate everything that you've put into us because I always have the weird questions that like, like how does that work? Yeah. And, and then it's like, well, as you look like, here. Like, yeah. It's yeah. very obvious. Yeah. The hierarchy of your house. And, yeah. And who falls under who. Yeah. So the last little section we got is the ideology. Like most knights from across the Imperium, the Knight House of Arcus, Arcus, don't even know the own name to your house. <laughs> uh, value, courage, honor, loyalty, respect, and duty. They also emphasize being steadfast and enduring, like the Arrowkiss tree. They are men and women of their words. If they make a promise, they keep it. Sworn to protect Epsilon Beta Five and her citizens, as well as the Imperium, the knights are taught not to look down on others and to treat all the citizens of the Imperium as equals. Whether you're a simple farmer or an Astartes or a planetary governor, all members of the house are valued and respected and all of them wear the house's heraldry with pride few can match. Yeah, so that that's my night household. Um, there's a couple other things we'll talk about. Like, I'm sure people are curious, like, how much of my night household I actually have and a couple other things. Um, yeah, there's a couple things in there that, like, aren't quite super fluffy like the whole they respect everyone equally and stuff like that like that's not very grim dark it's definitely not very nightly but but it's the redemption of them within this terrible world that they live in exactly so that's like every every little thing has like because if there's zero redeeming quality you're like well this chat this house is screwed and why would i bother trying to survive yeah. in it right yeah exactly but this is like the hope is that no like we can if we work together, we can actually overcome this, even though you can't because yeah. it's a grim, dark world. Yeah. But that's like what keeps you going. Exactly. And like, like I said, we talked about having the warlord Titan. We talked about how I don't actually have a noble bloodline. Like there's a couple things, but I think they're all easily worked around. Um, as for models, we'll talk about my knights real quick. Um, like I have a warlord Titan, obviously. And then I have the Acastus Knight Proferion. I have three Serastus Knights, uh, 
I have six Questoros Knights, and I have six um, Armager Knights. I also have a knight that has fallen to chaos, so I bought one of those Forge World Chaos Knights. Which honestly looks really cool. It's very cool. And I also have an Orc Warlord, or the Orc Knight converted as well, which also is very cool. That's my favorite out of all of the one you have. It is such an orky looking model. Yeah, it's so good. It's really, really cool. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's it's probably my favorite too. Like, and it's it's so good. It just fits so well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I got a lot of knights and, like, I collected, like, a black knight. I collected, like, an orc knight because i'm trying to like actually build this out um i also have like a full spear so i have uh the miniatures i'm using for my men at arms are from privateer press they're the Sagnar trenchers and uh they're just they they look cool they they actually have a very similar feel to them to the to the uh the 40k knights but like okay. yeah they have like an ancient looking gun like it's not a futuristic gun but it actually still looks kind of futuristic like they have add a couple like technological pieces on yeah but it's still like a wooden stock and like they're wearing chain mail and stuff and like right. plate armor but uh yeah so i have like 60 of them or something like that but uh yeah that's really all um my next project for my night household is one thing I hate when I'm playing games is when I play Imperium versus Imperium. Like it just it's it's it, the fluff la- yeah, is lacking. It just fluff. yeah. So I want to flesh out my uh, Oathbreakers a little more. So I actually just bought two Armagers today that I'm going to turn into Oathbreakers, uh, and then I have already my one Chaos one. So that's 750 points right there. Yeah, and then you fill it out with your your Oathbreaker men at arms. Exactly. Yeah. So. And then after that, I'll probably just keep buying armagers every now and again, just so I have a thousand of them, you know. And finishing your warlord at some point. Yes. Yeah, that'll be the next thing. I'm like halfway through painting my uh, Acastus. Like the last like month, I've gone hard on knights. I've painted four armagers, uh, half of an Acastus. Like I've done quite a it's bit. It's been quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. There was one other thought. Oh yeah. So the other thing in my lord that might it definitely was not mentioned, but armagers in regular knight households are like bastard childrens of nobles. Where in my household, they're like still f- they're full knights, like they're not treated any different, and uh, they're used more for like just like scout scouts essentially. Like yeah. the way you put it is, it's the exact same like honor, and they just fulfill a different tactical use. Exactly, and battlefield role. you don't always need an Acastus knight. No. Like in fact, some situations that's not going to be good. Like. If you're hunting down a tech beast and it's super quick, you don't. You probably want a more nimble knight. So yeah, and and that's all. So you even said one of your masters of the house is pilots specifically an armager. Yeah, which yeah. one? Um, the master of Vox, I believe it was. I think so because you said yeah. it's very very quick, and so he wants to be all over the place or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what I said. I just yeah. remember that one of your masters of the house was always piloting yeah. an armager. And uh, and really, I just wanted to like solidify like that they are an equal member. Yeah, and not bastard children but yeah so that's the night household i hope you listeners enjoyed it um i don't know yeah i, I enjoy well it. <laughs> send us your feedback obviously yeah, um, yeah if you have something that you liked something that you didn't like if you have suggestions if you have your own night household yeah so here's here's what i'm actually going to put out Ooh. if you have a story behind anything of, of your own that you've created yeah uh, i don't care if this is a chapter a Space Marine chapter or a Harlequin, like, 
mask or if it's an Eldar craft world or a Tyranid hive splinter fleet that you've created with a story, yeah. we want to hear about it. Okay, like, so we, we are a sucker yeah. for like homebrew stories with 40k. So what we should do is craft send us 40K. it. 40k. <laughs> <laughs> send us it and maybe over the next month, we I don't know if I'll put a timeline on it. But send it at us it, and we'll choose from what we get, and we'll do a bonus episode on whatever you. Oh, created. absolutely! Uh, so write something good, yeah. Like, like and depend, like if you just have like a couple lines, we'll just share it in a regular episode. Yeah, we got yeah. no problem with that. But if we think like that if this is something's like as like as detailed I have like as six thousand words, you know, like we, we want to share it yeah. with people. because yeah. we want to hear about your craziness too. So I'll make sure I, I we do some Facebook stuff. So because I know this is the end of the episode, and no one's listening at this point. Oh, they're listening, but. But we want to share it because it's what we love about 40K yeah. is the fact that you can put your own flavor in it. Exactly. So, um, I like for me, I got nothing else. No, no, I'm done. That was good. Cool. Sounds good. It was a good episode. Um, don't forget, you can hit us up on Facebook at Lorehammer. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Lorehammer40K. We got an email, Lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Redbubble merchandise line that you can check out our logo and buy some crap on there it's pretty cool oh we have a patreon that we are currently in the process of reworking how that entire system works but you can still donate of to course us. you're gonna always donate we yeah. got a paypal if you just want to shove money at us yeah, yeah. we're more than happy to take your money <laughs> for lorehammer yeah of yeah. course yeah of course yeah no i didn't buy forge bane today using lorehammer money no, that'd be absurd that would be that would be irresponsible <laughs> Uh, Mark, make sure you deduct that. Off of yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, signing off, I guess we'll see you guys in two weeks. Um, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening. Yeah, see you later.